This is Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. Brought to you by AdamandEve.com. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, Eve Simon. Hi, I'm Luca, and I live on the second floor. I can't believe you've never heard that song before. I have heard that song before. I, you, you didn't just, recognize it. You gently reminded me that it existed. It's one of my brother's favorite songs Jeffrey. in the 80s. Jeffrey cried to it. I think he did cry to it. I think he like held himself in the fetal position in the shower. <laughs> Cried. Cried. Maybe wanked. Both. No, no he made. loved that song. And uh, me and my sister thought it was really funny to be like, my name is Jeffrey. I live on the second floor. If you hear me late at night. And he'd be like, fuck you. <laughs> and my parents would get all upset. And then he'd go out and suck some dicks and have some cocaine because of all the torment <laughs> you were putting upon him. My name is Jeffrey. <laughs> and I live on the second floor. That was a big hit. Yeah, it was. So, uh, Kay Rambo. Yes. I've noticed you're really adapting to city life. Am I? You're adapting to, to, to Los Angeles life. It, am I? I think so. How? I mean, well, today, as a matter of fact, uh, you made a bird hotel for a pigeon in my garage. I have, yeah, I've, I've now got a bird, an L.A. bird. I've named him Larry. Could be a female, could be nesting. Larry Bird. Larry Bird, and we, I made a little box, and I've put some food and water out. And uh, now we have a little pet bird. We just have to hope that nobody in the building complains about the bird hotel. It, it was surreal. Are you aware that uh, pigeons are rats with wings? They are not, and that is a common misconception. And bird uh, pigeons, in particular, are actually one of the cleanest birds. Would you eat a pigeon? No, of course I wouldn't. Why would I ever eat? No, pigeon? but I mean, I if you them. ate if you ate meat, would you eat a pigeon? No, and I've never eaten. But do you know what? I never liked the feathered friends. I I didn't eat chicken for like since I was fifteen. So that's over twenty years since I ate chicken. And even duck, I had duck once in my life. Decided it wasn't for me. Ducks are adorable. No one would eat them because they're fi- except for homeless people because they're filled with uh, disease. They're not, and they're lovely. And Rats now, with wings. now I have one, and his name is Larry, and he lives in the garage. And then you, uh, you're like, "Can I have a tea towel for Larry?" And I'm like, "What?" And and you went and took one of my dishcloths and you put it in there. And then you're like, "Well, you can have it back after Larry leaves." I'm like, "I don't want it." After a <laughs> pigeon is like shit on it. Let Larry have a nice life. He can have it. He can have it. He's, Good. The, the tea towel is now Larry's. Good. He deserves a tea towel. Now, what I find curious is uh, the reason you care more for pigeons than the homeless. Well, I mean, it's only natural, isn't it? Animals are better <laughs> than people. I like a lot of animals way better. The only animals I don't like more than people, I would say, are pandas and sloths. They can get to fuck. But you don't get, you don't even care about homeless people who are you know literally starving in the streets. No. Yeah, the other day, uh, she was scooting by on a lime scooter by all these sleeping homeless people, just giving them the finger and kicking over their tents. I'm a scooter now, and as my rice scooting rights, that's part of it. Is you have to destroy 
the tent encampments when you see them. You're a good scooter. I'm, I'm becoming You're a real scooter, Los Angelino. Yeah, you, you really, you I'm know, entitled I'm, and I'm white. I'm impressed uh, how you're able to keep the scoot upright while kicking at the homeless. I've picked it up really fast, haven't I? You're not bad at it. You're, you're, you're not bad. But you know what, though? You're not a real Angelino. I'm not. Until you've seen a homeless man's penis. That's true. I, definitely real Lunder. I've seen a lot of uh, London men's dicks. Yeah, but you haven't, has a homeless man exposed himself to you yet? Not yet, but it's been very... It's going to happen. It's been rare I've been around outside. You've always been around. I think they're a bit more shy about getting out there. Yeah, I think you'll know that you're an Angelino when you're like walking back from Whole Foods and a homeless guy just like is either pissing in front of you or looking at you masturbating. I don't know how I'll react. I'll probably just say I'm the type of person... finish him off? No, (laughs) with my mouth. (laughs) I'm the type of person that's usually not observant to shit like that, though, because I'll be like looking up in the sky at a bird and then there'll be a car crash happen and everyone will have seen it. And I'll be like, seen what? I'm that type of person. You don't even think, you're just not perceptive enough. I'm just like, yeah. In your world, like you're, you're... Oh, in your zone. As, yeah, especially when I'm walking around. I know it's bad, but as, I just cause, like go inside my head when I'm walking around. So there could be like six homeless people with their dogs out, and you wouldn't even notice. I probably would be like, "Oh, excuse me, excuse me, <laughs> let me through." <laughs> I remember, I, um, God, I forget which ex it was. Uh, I was living in San Francisco, and it was my whoever I was dating at the time. She'd never been to Los Angeles, and so I was like, "Yeah, let's go there for a weekend." And so we flew down here, we got to LAX. Sure, I've told this story before, but we get to LAX and uh, she was hungry. And there's a Taco Bell that's kind of in that area. And so we go to the Taco Bell and we're in the drive through. And uh, we're, I don't know, it's probably like eight cars. And we're just kind of sitting there in your trap because you're in a drive through, a captive audience, so to speak. True. And there's this like, I don't know, 300 pound black guy just like laying there with his sweatpants pulled down. And his dick, like hard dick, and he was like, he was like stroking his cock, just staring at her. Was it a big dick? I can't recall. He's a big man, so three hundred pounds is always going to make a big. You dick could definitely small. see it from where we were. So it I mean, was we're a big like dick probably then. ten, fifteen feet away. Yeah. And she was just like, "Oh my god, oh my god, that guy's like just stroking his his cock, just staring at us." <laughs> I'd be like, "That's where Taco Bell gets its sour cream from." <laughs> <laughs> that guy, fresh supply. I just remember she was like, "Good, would you say something?" I'm like, "Do what?" And I like honked on the horn. <laughs> what are you gonna say to him? <laughs> he just was smiling, stare, because she was the only like I don't know young younger woman in the, in, the, in the line for the drive-through. What are you gonna say <laughs> to the guy off his face on crack who's wanking in the middle? What, sir? He was like laying in the grass, kind of near the sign, like the you know the sign with all the uh, Taco Bell food items. You know what? They place your order. They don't have much in life, do they? And you might as well just let them crack on with it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I thought it was funny, and then she like ends up moving like the the visor, the shade visor, <laughs> but you can still see it. I, why didn't she just like <laughs> slink down in the seat? I don't know. She just wouldn't look at it and was just kind of like, it's just, it's just disgusting. I don't even want Taco Bell now. I was like, well, we're already trapped in the drive-thru, so like, we have to have it. I'm fucking having Taco Bell, bitch. I don't know. But if I had a Mexi Melter burrito, I probably would have thrown one at him. Yeah, that would be funny. funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think you secretly like the homeless. Secretly? How? Well, I was once homeless and I love myself. So yes, I do no, love I the think, homeless. Okay, there's a love-hate thing because they're they're entertaining. Yeah, of course they are. I think if you yeah, that's the thing. That's the reason that's the reason I can never live in a place like Pasadena. 
Yeah, it's also the reason your sister lived in the Tenderloin, tenderloin for, for so 20 long. years. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like nonstop entertainment. You look out your window, go in your balcony, you smoke a cigarette, and you're entertained. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, that's the thing with Pasadena. So we were in Pasadena last weekend uh, for the Cruel World Festival. Um, we kind of get into detail about this on uh, the second show. We discussed Kate's tantrum during Morrissey. I did. I had, we had a to leave. Yeah, I had to leave. I embarrassed you in front of thousands of people. I couldn't believe it. And he was even doing Smith songs. But yet we, yet we left. Anyway, we get into that in the second show. But we drove around Pasadena. You get to see it for the first time. Very suburban. Totally. You it's know, a families of affluent families. It's just, yeah, it's just kind of too white for me, too just predictable. I, yeah, I get that. You know? The chance of getting hit by like flying fecal matter. From a homeless guy, it's pretty minimal there. Slim to none. Yeah. I did love the shop that was just called Lemonade. That's a restaurant. What? Right. We're gonna. I'm gonna argue about this just now. You don't name your restaurant Lemonade when you serve more than just lemonade. I'm pretty sure they serve more than just lemonade. Well, but they do really serve is. lemonade. Good. It's um, a cool, refreshing drink. <laughs> But what did you think? What did you think of Pasadena? Yeah, I really liked it. I obviously only saw a little bit of it. I had a Mendocino Farm sandwich, which was underwhelming. But it was, yeah, it was it was Pasadena. I didn't see the Van Halen house. I'll go back and see that. And I didn't see Bugsy Seagull's house or Elvis's karate Bugsy, school. Bugsy Seagull's house in Pasadena? The one that he was he had a man- No, no, he oh. he died at his girlfriend's house, Virginia Hill's house in Beverly Hills. We should okay, go see right, that. Right. I thought but, that was over here. Yeah. No, he had his house. And now, apparently, according to Jeff from Pig Baby, there's a, this redneck couple who live in a trailer in front of the mansion. <laughs> Just parked in front of the mansion? Who lives Inside in the, mansion? the gates. Who lives in the mansion? I'm assuming it's theirs, and they're waiting for it to be done up or something, but they just live in this trailer in front of this mansion, Bugsy's mansion. Like for an extended period of time? Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Um, are there are there a lot of true crime sites in Pasadena? I couldn't find that many. Not many, but obviously, you know, there's Bugsy's house. We could have gone and seen the Van Hale, the two Van Halen houses. I know um, we were looking for Elvis's karate school. Yeah, Jeff knows where that is. But we could find that. We'll have to go with Jeff. You know, there are a lot of haunted sites. Well, not a lot, but there are definitely a few notable ones. Um, the Colorado Street Bridge. Oh. We should go there. I've only been there kind of during the day, like dusk. That's probably a good time anything. to go to a suicide bridge at dusk. Yeah, but you're supposed to go there at midnight. Oh, right. That's when you see the ghosts. Is it? I know Harrison went there. He said it was just creepy. There's um there's a suicide. There's several suicide bridges. Obviously, they're everywhere. But the the ones in Britain. There's one in Cumbria where the dogs chuck themselves off it. Are the dogs? They say it's like something to do with like the magnetic forces or whatever just pulls the dogs and they just fucking If you're walking a dog on a leash, it'll just run towards the edge? Yeah, on a leash. But if it's not on a leash, it'll just jump off the end. No, Sparky, no. I kind of want to borrow someone's dog to find out. (laughs) Watch it suicide itself. No, No, I'll have it on a leash. Oh, to test the fairy of yeah. the dr- try and jump. There's a uh, haunted forest in Pasadena. Who haunts the forest? It's just ghosts and suicides. Deers and shit like that. I'm not quite sure. I, I haven't actually been there. I met maybe like a, Did a Miyazaki spirit. I don't know. Yeah. Did Harrison <laughs> not go to that as well? Uh, Harrison went to the Colorado Street Bridge. He said he saw a homeless guy just masturbating, staring at him. As I say, did Harrison go to that bridge because he was going to kill himself? But then when he got there, he thought, nah. The homeless guy masturbating at him, smiling. Put him He's off. like, I want to live. 
<laughs> no, I, you know, I don't know. No, I think he just went there with he went there with some chick. I forget, and just to see it. It's a good and he day. Said, no, he said it was kind of underwhelming. He didn't see anything. But yeah. I mean, what do you expect? Yeah. Ghosts aren't real. Yeah, I don't. I like hearing ghost stories, but I do not believe in them. Yeah, I'm surprised that uh, you didn't make a search for the Nightmare Cremation Factory owned by uh, Charles F. Lamb. The Lamb family. The Lamb family. We're going to do that next time we go to Pasadena. <laughs> well, that is the subject of, uh, of uh, this week's uh, podcraft. But before we get into the crematorium from hell, I do want to thank all of our patrons uh, for supporting the show. I really do. From the, you, you warm the cockles of my heart, my black Jewish heart. Your black cockles. My black cockles. <laughs> they are warmed that is by a, the patrons. That's a good word that people don't use that much. What? Cockles. Cockles. We say cockles. How often do you say cockles? Well, it depends if you're talking about the food or if you're talking about your cockles. Okay, what's the difference between the food and the cockles? Well, the cockles are metaphorical, but there is a food <laughs> called cockle. It's a seafood. It's like a mussel. But how often do you find yourself walking around Cumbria saying cockles? If the, there's a f- fisherman selling cockles, well, then I'll be like, look at those cockles on that man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love our patrons and their cockles. I do too. Um, but you know, and and uh, you know, to the new patrons who just signed up, you know, let us know if uh, you, you can't find some of the uh, the patron uh, awards and things like that. And to the patrons who had to quit, you know, due to their financial situation, yeah, thank you for supporting the show as long as you did. You know, yeah. we, that, that's super cool. Uh, times suck right now. It's Times are tough. Totally, for everyone. You know, and so the fact that you'd spare a couple quid for the podcast, we do appreciate you uh, Aussie keeping dollars. sick and wrong. Yeah, no, yeah. or Aussie dollars or U.S. greenbacks. Uh, we appreciate the support. So here's a quick Patreon promo, and uh, then we'll get into uh, the crematorium from hell. Hey, Sick and Wrong listeners. If you're not currently a Sick and Wrong patron, you might be missing out on special moments like this one. I used to write letters to, like, my like I used to write letters to like Molly Crew and like Tommy Lee. I don't remember exactly who I was writing it to. Wait, do you uh, have these letters? No, I, I sent it to the to the to the address. To the what, what did you say yeah. in the letter? Like I want to touch your hair. Like I'm sure it was just. I'm sure. I don't know. I was in like fifth grade. Yeah, but what would you say? Or to- fourth grade. <laughs> I don't know, like who. Like, just wave, man. You're so cool, man. Yeah. I hope when I grow up, man, I'm just like you, cool you dudes, just, man. Yeah, you're did latex you pants, man. I did, but I'll say this: Poison. <laughs> poison is the only band that actually sent something back, like a dick. What band? did they it was, send uh, you Brett, back? Brett Michaels lock of hair. No way. <laughs> it was like just some like you know I don't know. Our, here's band. our thanks for thanks for writing to it. A list of shit you could buy or whatever. Like <laughs> join our pay for our <laughs> fan club our or something. Yeah, but at least they sent something back. Like n- nobody else. Wait, fucking Axel Rose didn't send anything back. <laughs> Fuck him, <laughs> asshole. Do you think like uh, Vince Neil still has your letter? Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he does. He, he just hasn't gotten around to it. He just hasn't written you back. <laughs> it's just covered in cum. Yeah. <laughs> For only $5 a month, you can enjoy these special moments. A bonus news story, extra phone calls, and an hour's worth of outtakes every week at patreon.com slash sickandwrong. Sign up today, support the show, and keep it sick and wrong. 
So D, for anyone who's here thinking we're going to talk about the film Silence of the Lambs, they're wrong. We're going to be talking about the crematorium. Worst crematorium in history, I would say. The worst crematorium in history. No, the, the episode's entitled Silence of the Lambs. You'll find out why in a second. Yeah. So let's set the scene for great you. Great movie, though. Oh, great movie. Who hasn't yeah. seen it? I'm always surprised when people say they haven't seen Silence of the Lambs. I'm like, what the fuck have you been doing with your time? Yeah, I don't even know. Stop listening to this podcast. Go and see Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> you haven't already watched it. Los Angeles in the 80s, it was very Vice City. I'm sure we all know it. It was the Valley Girls. Oh, my God. They lived and died at the Galleria. There were boys. Actually, is the Galleria still there? The mall? I'm not sure. The, uh, the Glendale Galleria? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Amazing. They built another one next to it, though. That's cool. It's an outside mall. Uh, boys who looked like girls, they snorted the purest of cocaine in metal bars up and down the Sunset Strip. In March of 1985, a great year, the number one song was George Michael's Careless Whisper. Careless Whisper. I'm surprised That's when your that brother. Yeah, I'm surprised your brother didn't love Careless Whisper. Oh, he did. I think he was a George mm. Michael fan. Oh, I think he was. And this is the setting to the backdrop and the smog that rolled throughout the city. The LA smog, deadly and dangerous, was also used as a literal smoke screen for an insane crime that has a body count that echoes a genocide. Whoa. In fact, when Assistant Hesperia Fire Chief Will Wentworth listened as a caller complained that there was a noxious black smoke pouring from a nondescript building in the desert, the smoke carried the sickeningly sweet smell of human decay and burning human flesh. Will Wentworth, he knew the area well, and he told the caller that they must be mistaken. I don't think so. It's a ceramic shop, he said. <laughs> don't tell me they're not burning, bu burning bodies. I was at the ovens in Auschwitz, the caller replied. Well, I mean, it's such an unmistakable smell. So the fact yeah. that they're trying to masquerade as a ceramic, like a, a ceramic factory, Mental. ridiculous. And this began the uncovering of the saga of a mortuary that was tangled in the macabre in yet another scandal that would rock the funeral industry and free members of a seemingly God-fearing all-American family would face trial in Pasadena and it was all the work of a ruthless mortician who would stop at nothing to corner the death market in the City of Angels. This is a wild story. This, I mean, this guy's kind of like, like, like a mobster. Oh, yeah. He's, he has elements of Elvis about him. You'll see what I mean in a bit. Elvis and Frank Sinatra. I guess I could see that, but um, definitely a bit like, uh, I don't know, like, a, like a Joe Pesci or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fellas. Yeah. Way more Joe Pesci vibes, but I doubt this guy rapped. In 1929, Charles F. Lamb, he opened up a funeral home in Pasadena, California. It's a building that resembles a cross between a Spanish mans mansion and a fortress. Uh, that's that Woody Allen joke, isn't it? Where... You've got the Spanish house. You've got this castle. Yeah, no <laughs> consistency in architecture. Yeah, that's totally L.A. It's Pasadena, for those who don't know, it's a town northeast of downtown L.A. It's filled with notable Victorian and Art Deco style buildings, which are all sat next to exceedingly modern buildings. Uh, Woody Allen yet again. Pasadena would later be home to the gods of rock and roll, Van Halen. But it was the same then as it is now. It's pretty affluent, kind of boring. Sorry, Jeff. It's kind of suburban. Yeah, yeah, it's suburban. I mean, Quiet. Jeff loves Pasadena. He calls it like there's no other place he would rather live. He loves I, mean, I could see when you're like a middle-aged white guy and you get a home in Pasadena, the home's probably worth a ton of money. Van Halen are his all-time favorite band as well. Um, okay. <laughs> there you go. Wait, were all the members of Van Halen were just Eddie and... Uh, the brothers. The brothers, yeah. Yeah, from there. But um, he still lives there, Thingy. 
What's his name? Lead singer of Van Halen. David Lee Roth. David Lee Roth. Yeah. David Lee Roth. My God, you know what's really, You know what's really bad inside my head. Then I went Sammy Hagar. I'm really oh my sorry. God. <laughs> I know. I know. It's a bad thing. I just uh, did. Wow. <laughs> sorry, everyone. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Charles F. Lav, he decorated the interior of the funeral home with decadent couches and chairs, drapes and cloths to help keep the mourners and his clients feel comfortable. Slumber chambers were available for the families to rest in. I would love a slumber chamber. I'm going to start calling my bedroom that. <laughs> what were they like coffins with pillows? and? They were basically like a souped up couch. Comforters? Yeah, where if you felt overwhelmed by the, the loss of your loved one, they would put you inside this kind of darkened couch that had all these decadent drapes. There's pictures of it in the brochures. And it does like, I was like, that looks really comfortable. It's just kind of, I don't know, it's, it's a bit creepy when a funeral home's like, well, here's my sleep chamber for you. Climb in. Oh, at this point in time, funeral homes weren't like this. This was the kind of very pioneering for them to start like offering like grief Amenities and compassion and, like and yeah. yeah, and being nice to you. Before that, I was like, get your coffin and just putting them in the ground. Yeah, but they they must have had like uh, you know room for ceremonies and the funeral and things like that, like a nice yes. room in a solemn setting. But this is probably the start of the real funeral industry as we kind of know it, was with Charles like the Hitler. opulent funeral home. Yeah. yeah. The, in fact, the brochure described the funeral home as home in every sense of the word. <laughs> Very Victorian. Lamont also had the foresight to purchase the Pasadena Crematorium a few years earlier. It was located a few miles away in the Mountain View Cemetery in Altadena. I said that right, didn't I? Alta- yeah, Altadena. Yeah. Right. It's like right next door to Pasadena. Okay. A double oven structure was built in 1895. It was known among funeral directors as the oldest crematorium west of the Mississippi. So it was old. It doesn't survive. It's not here anymore. Charles, his family and his staff, they would always be dressed in black as they moved throughout the home, offering their condolences to the family of the dead. His wife and children followed in his footsteps. And throughout the generations, Charles Lamb and the Lamb name became a corpse king in California. Charles, even amongst the bitter rivalry of the funeral industry, was extremely well regarded. And at one point, he was head of the Funeral Directors Association of the state. Is a rivalry that bitter? Yes. <laughs> are there other, like, and it's funeral... still bitter to this day. Really? There's other funeral directors that are just like, you know, trying to undercut yep. different businesses? It's one of the shadiest industries. And it's still one of the shadiest industries to this day because it's so unregulated. Yeah, no, I mean, you always, I, I would say, like, once a year, you read a story about some, like, sketchy funeral home that was just like, yeah, we cremated your bodies, but then they, they didn't. Yeah. They just buried them in the basement. And we all know that they fuck the dead. They just do it. Well, I mean, I'm, sh- I'm sure some of the employees do. They chop off body parts and they hide it in, like, like if I was, like, a mortician, I would totally be like, I'm going to chop off this penis and put it in your pocket. And you'll find it, and you'll scream like a girl, and it will give me a laugh. Kate's collection of cocks. You just I have actually a drawer to s- full of dicks. I'm gonna, that's going to be my next hoarded collection, <laughs> cock collection. Charles retired. The business was passed down to his son, Lawrence. And when he retired, he passed it down to his daughter, Lorianne, and her husband. Lorianne was her parents' like golden child of corpses. She was God-fearing, and she was described as movie, movie star beautiful. She loved funeral work too, especially the task of beautifying the dead, applying makeup to the waxen skin of the embalmed. She thought it was crucial to look your best when you meet your maker. 
didn't didn't you want to become a mortician at one point? I did, but my sciences were never strong. But I still think I would like enjoy it because you get to you get left alone. You can probably put music on or a podcast while you do it, and you're just like you're just clearing someone out. Yeah, but you could probably be the makeup artist at a funeral home. Yeah, I would like that too. I mean, Although it's usually the same that. job. They usually you know, do. The same people have to do both? Yeah, usually it's the same. Oh. I'm, I thought there was one that like fills them full, full of embalming fluid. That's the person who's actually got a degree. That's the mortician. Yes. Yeah, that's the mortician. And then there's like, oh, okay, she, she just applies the makeup. You have seen My Girl starring Yeah, Nicole, I, know, I was about to say it's My Girl because. where I got that. Yeah, yeah no, it's, nowadays it's usually often the same person. Where's his glasses? <laughs> he can't Love see it without his glasses. <laughs> She had a particular kindness and softness needed for dealing with the bereaved, and she was so effective at her job that usually after a funeral service, various other family members would return to the funeral home to organize their own funerals at the care and the duty of the lambs. Hmm. She's good. Yeah. But then her son David would join the family business. David hadn't been born and raised in the funeral business. In fact, he wanted to follow in his father's footsteps and become a football player. His dad, Jerry, he had played football for the University of California in Santa Barbara, and he was later the coach at Azusa Pacific College before becoming a funeral man. And David also enrolled in the same college in 1974. I read that uh, Jerry was a bit of like a, a boorish man. A thug. Yeah, yeah. he was a thug he was huge. and a boozer. Yeah. I mean, uh, and his wife basically strong-armed him to become a funeral man. David, who was described as being a hothead and also a creep, he didn't last long in college. He dropped out when the team's losing streak began affecting his, like, um, his street cred. But he also could have dropped out before he was kicked out as a freshman who was majoring in business studies. He robbed a former girlfriend's house twice, the second time on Christmas Eve while she was at church with her family, as revenge for breaking up with him. Oh, what a dick. As what? if this guy needs to rob this uh, this person's home. Yeah, what a cunt. Yeah. So this is a set in the scene for the type of person David is. After dropping out, he spent a few years drifting from shitty jobs. His main hobbies um, being getting drunk with his friends and beating up homeless people. <laughs> Scooting by them, kicking Just off their kicking tents. Kicking up their tents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he even wanted to enlist in the police academy, but he was rejected when it was discovered he was colorblind. In 1982, encouraged by Jerry and Lorianne, the 26-year-old decided to obtain his embalming license and join the family business. David wasn't too excited about embalming school, but he did see an opportunity to make money in the cremation business, describing embalming school as boring. He leveraged the family crematorium as a kind of entrepreneurial opportunity. He's got a business acumen. Well, he was majoring in business. He's got some ideas. In late 82, he used the industry contacts and the two um, crematory furnaces from his family's funeral home business to start his own company, Coastal Cremations, Inc., even though he didn't actually file the paperwork on the business until two years later. So Mm. he's operating illegally. David preferred to burn things into oblivion rather than preserve them, and that would turn out to be the odd bit of foreshadowing for both the company and his family legacy. Wait a second. When you say burn things into oblivion, it's like, so no ashes even remain? There's just like, uh, everything's gone? Everything's just completely uh, immolated? You'll see. Okay. In a way, yeah. David's big idea Shady. For, for generating business for Coastal Cremations Inc. was to offer the service for less than half what was considered the industry standard for the time. For just $55 per body, he was now offering lower prices than every other crematorium in the region, if not the entire country. 
you would think that handling of human remains being offered at like really low level discounts would be an immediate red flag but sadly no business died booming <laughs> buy one get one free it's a blue light special here at coastal cremations it, this would be the people the frugal brits like me you'd be like how much don't give a shit take me there <laughs> what if he like had ads on the radio yeah he had everything get two cremations get the third one for free on us at coastal cremations ink <laughs> so in the 80s actually this is something i knew cremations were just kind of coming into vogue as an inexpensive option for the funeral of a loved one obviously they've always existed but the done thing was actually usually usually burial and in the 60s only 10 percent of all bodies were cremated only 10%? Only wow, 10%. You know, Jews can't be cremated. I know you guys can't. Yeah, which I, f- I find regrettable because I actually really enjoy the uh, the, the concept of uh, being cremated. I must say, having obviously having been to burial funerals and cremations, I much more enjoy the cremation funerals. I think there's something, I don't know, more like... What's the difference? You're not watching well, them no, burn. No, you're not. But at the end, you usually file past the coffin and you can all touch the coffin and you all say goodbye. And then the coffin goes behind the curtains and it's very dramatic. And then you go to the wake. You don't have to do any of that bullshit going outside and chucking. Although I do enjoy the chucking the of the soil. I think that's also very symbolic and great as well. But that means you have to go outside. You have to spend even longer being lectured to by a priest. You know, the, I think the reason I like cremations because I like giving gifts that I find funny to people that they probably hate. And oftentimes re-gift. Like if you go to my brother's home, you'll see like a museum of all the stupid gifts, the novelty gifts that I purchased over the years. That I, oh, and, he has a cock collection too. Oh, yeah. And, mm. you know, I mean, I remember uh, we had a Sick and Wrong fan that like made a bronze dick with spikes out of it and uh, sent it to Lance. And Wackley was just like, I don't want this. <laughs> and so my brother's like, I'll take it. I don't know if he still has it. I bet he does. Um, a lot of things he's re-gifted, but there, there's a, quite a few things he's that he's kept over the years. But... What I like about being cremated is that I'm going to be put into some kind of urn and then like given to my wife or to my sister. And you can't re-gift that. I like the idea of cremation as well as like you're in this fantastically gorgeous urn. And then maybe in 40 years time from now, you're being sold in like a, a fucking antique store. I like that idea. I want to get like a bust of someone, like a like a bust of like Sam Kinison or something. Oh, no, you should my... be inside the bust of the guy from Zapped because you look just like him. Zapped. Every you British Scott person. Scott Bayo? No, every British person knows what I mean right now. All right, maybe that guy. Yeah, you look I don't exactly know what that like guy him. looks like, but he looks like you. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. So n- now it's the 1980s. Cremation is becoming it's a big business. Nearly half of all deceased relatives are being barbecued and placed into an urn, and it's still roughly about the same today. In fact, cremations are now taking over because we're running out of space, and it's it makes expensive. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. So as the fleet of trucks for the funeral home drove all over SoCal collecting thousands of bodies, they're only going to begin to pile up at the Lamb Crematorium. David would stuff his two oven crematorium with, you know, five, six, 18, and eventually 38 bodies at once before a fire forced them to move the crematorium. Jesus, how big is it? This is like make me think of like Auschwitz or something. To give you a visual aid, the inside of an oven is about as big as a phone booth. And he could shove 30 bodies in in, a, in in this phone booth. Yeah, David would later brag that he was breaking legs of the bodies to cram them into the ovens. Wow. He's bragging about that. He's like, Bro- see that guy's leg? Broke it. 
Did I mean? Did he like? I mean, these are like the 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 the, the Japanese guys that shove people under the trains during yeah. rush hour. <laughs> That's what like, did, is that who he hired? Don't be thinking that these bodies went in intact. We'll get more into that. Oh, in a okay. Bit. All right. After they were burnt, they would dump all of the ashes together in huge barrels. And when it came time for the families to come and collect the ashes, employees were instructed to collect 3.5 to 5 pounds for female remains and 5 to 7 pounds for male. So you're not getting... Yeah, you're not getting grandma's (laughs) ashes. You're getting everyone's ashes. It's it's just like an amalgamation of like a hundred different people. Which is already sickening. That's nice. Combo, Combo meal. I actually always wanted um, to be a crematorium, to go and work in a crematorium. And I nearly applied for a job once to go and do it. But I do know that, like, apparently it's really boring because you just sit there and, like, just wait for the body to burn and then you scrape it all out and then put another body in. But, again, it's a good job. You can sit and listen to podcasts. You're left alone all day. There's a guy when I used to do Rampage Radio, Father Featherstone. Oh, I love his name. I don't know if this guy's still around, but he was a very scary tweaker. But he was a huge fan of Rampage Radio. And being that I was on from like 2 to 8 in the morning, he, he worked at the Neptune Society crematorium. And he was just, yeah, I mean, up all night by himself. Smoking meth. bodies, smoking meth, and listening to metal on Rampage Radio. Awesome. And I remember one time he like he would call in and talk about it, and I'd ask him questions about it. I always thought he was a bullshitter. But then one time he came in, and he was like, you want to go check it out? And I was like, sure. And so we went at like, I don't know, I think it was, I think it was like four or five in the morning. Yeah. And uh, we went over there, and he just like had keys, and we walked in, and it was like, sure enough, he like showed me the crematorium, and then he... Open up a freezer and there's like an old lady. Ready was, to go. Yeah, it was dead. That was wrapped in plastic. And I remember he like, I was like, you know, this is, this is getting a bit much. I totally <laughs> believe you. I think we're, I think we're a bit, he's like, what are you scared? I was like, no, I'm not scared. I'm just a bit uncomfortable. And I, I, I think I've had enough. And then he's like, he grabbed the old lady's mouth and was just like, dirty Sanchez. Are you scared? See, I told you that's what they do. I, I would, I wouldn't be surprised if this guy, Fuck that old lady. What you think about dirty sandwiches? <laughs> I was just like, at that point, I'm like, okay, I'll be outside. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> well, I wanted that to be my job. I also really wanted to be a grave digger too. I think that would be a great job. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you have uh, aspirations here. They're good jobs. They're good, solid jobs. <laughs> yeah, you make a lot of money. Ride that rocket. Hey. Great, great 401k there. Hey, my, uh, <laughs> my interests aren't about money. They're about fulfilling lifelong dreams. Had you told me that... A year ago. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't marry me for my money. You married me for the milk. (laughs) Milk's gone bad. (laughs) So as the profits grew for David, so did his ego. He was dubbed the cremation king of California. And he loved this moniker so much that when he got new plates for his brand new Corvette, they read burn for you, B-R-N for you. (laughs) He has this black Corvette. I think it was red, actually. It was red. I had a picture of him in a black Corvette. That actually was pretty cool. Maybe it's black, red. Yeah, whatever. It's a fucking Corvette. It's a cool car. Yeah. Burn for you. That's a great, uh, great vanity plate. And this was much to the hatred of the other funeral homes who were wondering how he could offer his services for so cheap. Kathy Braidhill, she was then a re- crime reporter for the Pasadena Star News. She followed the story of David Sconce's crimes and she wrote a 1993 book, Chop Shop, about his cremation scheme. Great name. It is great. Anyone who would look at Sconce at that time saw a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, kind of athletic physique, a very handsome, outgoing, kind of smarmy and charming guy. You know who he kind of looks like? Whom? Uh, 
what's his name from uh from Full House, uh, the I don't comedian. Know Full House. You know what's the, he's the comedian, not well, we John Stamos, have... not Bob Saget, the Canadian comedian guy. We didn't have Full House, so I can't. Oh God, I can't think of everyone his name is right screaming now. at you right you now. No, everybody's screaming his name out right now. But that guy, it looks a lot like Evil uh, David Scott. Evil knows Scott's. the answer to yeah. that. Yeah, Kathy said he was a little too slick, in my opinion. But some people are attracted to that. I'm certain that he used his good looks to sort of offset any suspicion about what he was up to sure he did in 1986 alongside his parents they expanded coastal cremations inc into the coastal international eye and tissue bank the sole purpose of this company was to facilitate david's already flourishing side gig trafficking organs that he had removed from soon to be cremated bodies so he's already long up to this what an enterprising individual this guy what a handsome and smart young man. <laughs> I'm just saying he's very enterprising. He's got an entrepreneurial spirit. He does. He's a he's a the the Elon Musk of the funeral industry. Of corpses. <laughs> David was well aware there was a lucrative black market for organs at one time saying, What do they care? They're dead, which I kind of get behind. But, uh, but I mean, by the time they come to him They're so dead. Yeah, they're so dead. Aren't those organs useless? Maybe not. Maybe some of them were going black market. What are these people using them for on the black market? I guess, but I mean, I thought there's like a limited amount of time where you can remove an organ and donate it to someone and have it be useful. Maybe, but who who knows what these people are selling them yeah. onto to, for people to do. David, I've never been to a black market. I've never been invited to a black market. I couldn't tell you where I could find a black market other than the internet. Like, where could I find one in real life? Then, uh, uh, the, yeah, well, I guess the, the dark web. Yeah, I don't want anyone to mansplain to me how to find a black market. Go to Tijuana, I don't know. Yeah. I guess you could probably sell the dick. I've heard that they can uh, do like girth expansion where they could take corpse tissue. And put it in your dick. Yeah, and like graft it onto your dick so you get some girth. Yeah. Maybe he was doing that. Yeah, I just actually, uh, somebody who I really like who's a patron sent me uh, that recently over Twitter. She was like, hey, do you want to see a fat dick? And I was like, yeah, of course a corpse, I do. A corpse grafted dick? I don't dick? know if it was corpse grafted dick, but it was definitely fat injected to a dick. And that could have been fat foreign corpse. I wasn't researching this on my own. <laughs> I, yo, this is just purely for sick and wrong. I love that people are like, hey, Kate, do you want to see a fat dick? I'm like, always. <laughs> <laughs> what did it look like? Was it a was It, it looked like a squidgy sausage. Hmm. Like you would never, it would never get hard. It would just be a squidgy sausage. Chode. It chode. Yep. Exactly. At California at this time and elsewhere, it was illegal to remove things from corpses. Among these things were any body parts not necessary for removal prior to cremation. Things that are acceptable to remove are medical devices, such as uh, pacemakers, because they might explode in the heat of the flames. And a form existed authorizing the crematory to remove exactly those items. With the help of a lawyer friend, David altered the form to add the word tissues before the word pacemaker in the farm, letting families believe that they were authorizing him to remove any tissue necessary to remove the pacemaker. Ah, who reads a small print? Ah, who's reading it? And with everyone wrapped up in like a semi-legal kind of bow, David embarked on his next venture, which was scooping out eyes, hearts, and brains from the deceased and selling them to researchers throughout the country, having his mother forge the signatures of the next of kin on declaration forms and making a tidy little sum on the side. Now there, now that is enterprising. I could see that being a, a flourishing market because 
you know, researchers at universities, they think they're probably getting it from, well, Coastal Creations Tissue Inc. sounds like a, like a biotech firm or something. Yeah, and this is the yeah. 80s. If consent for the removals was not offered, David's mother would forge the signature of the family member. They pulled out eyeballs, plopping them unceremoniously into Coke cans and paper towels. <laughs> Could you imagine the pranks? It's so grotesque. A crowbar cracked open sternums in order to access organs. Just like cracking you open with a crowbar. Come on, David. Later in court, former employees revealed that over a three-month period between 1985 and 1986, the Lambs had sold 136 brains, 145 hearts, and 100 lungs to a firm supplying organs for research to medical schools. God, they're like the wholesalers. If you want to get an idea of what the kind of money they were chalking up at the time, brains would usually sell for about $80, hearts for 95 and lungs for 60 Wow. It's a tidy yeah, little a side moolah. hustle. Some moolah right there. And of, of, a car, of course, on occasion, families would request to see the corpse of their beloved grandparents and they would be denied because, you know, grandpa has no eyes. Yeah, but would he be wearing an <laughs> eye patch? I do know that they'd take the eyes out anyways. He's, he's got some black sunglasses, some Ray-Bans on. But yeah, they take the eyes out now anyways. Do they? Or don't they put like glass eyes or something? They'll There's... put, well, it's not a full true eye. It's just something to bulk out your eyelid. But this is obviously back in the 80s when techniques were different and as always with mortuary stuff it's always advancing hmm. but they were just like putting them in fucking coke cans <laughs> gross he also made extra money on the side because he wasn't making enough extra money on the side using a flathead screwdriver for pop and chops which was pop his term for extracting gold teeth and filling up his gold jar which he would sell to a really shady local dealer for six grand a month Oh, he was removing that many gold fillings. Yeah, gold teeth. And gold teeth. Yeah. Oh, man. Gets better. His overworked employees called David Little Hitler because of the number of bodies that he was burning, but also because David is an absolute dick. <laughs> I mean, that's it it's kind of a fitting appellation. That works. That's a good nickname. So this is Mortician Jay Brown, who started working at his own family's business, Martin, uh, Mountain View Mortuary in Altadena in 1971 when he was 12. He kind of witnessed his downfall in closer proximity than most because the Lamb family crematorium shared property lines with uh, Mountain View. So he's known David since he was mm. 12. He said David Sconce was a bully. He was a nasty, horrible individual to have any form of interaction with. I mean, he sounds like a total cunt. He's like robbing ex-girlfriends, even though he's like a privileged fuck. Gets worse. Wow. David was, was obsessed with the rivalry within the family, uh, within the funeral business, which is well documented. It's well known about. So he assembled a kind of rat pack or a wet pack or like a Memphis mafia of lackeys which was filled with beefcake, ex-hockey, and football players that he referred to as the boys. <laughs> Got to send the boys around. And like the Memphis Mafia, they did anything their boss wanted. Traveling throughout Southern California, they were ferrying bodies to the crematorium, running errands, and roughing up other morticians to discourage them from competing with Sconce's business. Wow, he's a total wise guy. A total wise guy. So what, did he like threaten to burn down their funeral homes? Or he, did he ever do that? He did that and more. Wow. His main rival and mortal enemy was a man called Timothy R. Waters, who owned the Alpha Society, a Burbank-based cremation, cremation service, and had a reputation for stealing business from other morticians. 
Timothy was completely in the know about what a dickhead Dave was up to. He threatened to write a gossipy tell-all in the monthly Mortuary Management, which was like a, a monthly magazine that published local stories, press, and trends in the funeral biz. Well, you know, I mean, there must have been like uh, employees like that worked at the, at the different funeral homes. That worked homes. for all of them. Yeah, yeah, that worked at all of them. I'm sure word got around. There must have been gossip. I bet she was like, oh, yeah, you can charge 55 bucks because he's shoving 30 bodies in there. At yeah. one time. And they'll all talk about it. On February the 12th, 1985, David's response to Timothy was to send a 265-pound ex-football player who ha- carried a business card that read, Big Men Unlimited. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. To rob uh, Timothy Waters and beat him to a pulp. And like Hitler, he didn't stop there. He sent two more thugs over to rob the editor and creator of mortuary management a man named rob hast but the the news the news magazine about mortuaries yeah that guy yeah what like that guy didn't even do anything i know he was currently living at hollywood hills at the time rob was living there with his partner steve uh steven nymphs and the story goes that when steven opened the door to two large men posing as policemen they sprayed him in the eyes of a mixture of jalapeno juice and ammonia they were hoping to blind him so that could beat him up without being identified but they didn't know that steven had a glass eye and he was able easily able to identify one of the thugs for the assault <laughs> poor steven <laughs> Yeah, wow. So he really roughed up all the uh, the competition. Two months after being beaten up, the morbidly obese 24-year-old Timothy Waters died. A coroner attributed the official cause of death to build up a fatty tissue in his kidneys, and of course he did. The autopsy also discovered digoxin, which is a common heart medication in his blood. Although he didn't take any heart medication, but there's something else that can mimic digoxin in the bloodstream which is olandia and it's one of the most common and most poisonous trees in all of southern california so wait was he injected with olandia later in car one of the boys would drop the bombshell that david had boasted of dropping it in timothy's drink at a restaurant after looking into similar poisonings the ventura county coroner drafted an official report for the prosecution saying if an individual were poisoned with an Orlando leaf or an alcoholic beverage in which the leaf had been soaked, he could die from this, and the findings in his blood would be about the same blood level as Mr. Waters. Wow, so this guy must have researched this uh, poisoning technique. Oh, he just knew all of, knew that those plants were poisonous. It's kind of like you how know you which know plants that? are I poisonous. I mean, yeah, but I wouldn't know, like, so to take a leaf, how, how, much, how, how would you know how much to, to, to put into their drink? Probably had a book poison book. I guess, yeah, I don't know. David's crematoriums at this point, they were running for 24 hours a day. That was up until the fire on November the 23rd, 1986, which was caused by the literal ashes of human bodies clogging up the chimneys. <laughs> you might have thought at that point it would have been investigated, but it wasn't. And at this point, David had already been out scouting new locations to make a new furnace. He had secretly set up a new crematorium about 70 miles away in a warehouse in Hesperia, California. He had to operate the new business under the license of a ceramics factory because that's what the massive diesel-fueled kilns <laughs> he was using were designed for. Wait, so how big are these? these this look- is like Auschwitz on steroids. Wow. Another part of his cover story was that they were using the ovens to make heat shield tiles for the space shuttle. <laughs> now that that is so outlandish, it's kind of believable. Right. 
But I mean, did he make little ceramic like er, like you know bowls oh, like, and things like that? <laughs> for and the just front like, window yeah. as the beard. <laughs> the front window, you can come in there and you can be like, oh, I like this little turquoise uh, ceramic here. Bodies are cremated here using diesel fuel for just two months until December the 23rd, burning up to 8,000 bodies when our farmer liberated Auschwitz survivor placed his car. Wow, 8,000 bodies. 4,000 bodies a month. He was just burning. I wonder how much he was charging at this point. Probably still the same amount of money. Why would you... Like 60 bucks a body. Maybe 60 bucks a pop. God, that's crazy. I mean, and these people, there's the service there for it. And what did, what did he think? You think like, uh, I mean, did he try to mask the odor or the smell? Like, what do you think no. of like all the black smoke coming over? You know, the, the whole neighborhood, anyone who lived around there could smell it. Diesel fumes are bad enough. They're very yeah. noxious. So when our assistant fire chief, Will Wentworth, went to investigate the facility, he found Everything inside covered in soot. Their feet stuck to the floor. That was absolutely covered in human li- in human fluids and liquids. There were trash cans filled to the brim with ashes and prosthetic limbs just lying oh. about everywhere. And just in case the universe hadn't made it obvious enough what was really happening in that warehouse, when Wentworth opened up one of the kilns, a human foot fell out and it was still burning. Wow, the, the, so we, he didn't get everything. I'm surprised he didn't sell the prosthetics. He must have. I bet he did on yeah, the side, sure probably to make some money. In May of 1988, David Sconce, Jerry Sconce, and uh, Lorianne Lamb Sconce, they were together charged with 67 felony and misdemeanor counts, including the Los Angeles Times uh, reported illegally harvesting eyes, lungs, hearts, brains for sales to a scientific supply company conducting mass cremations, falsifying death certificates and embezzling funeral trust account funds. David was also charged separately with assaulting three morticians who voiced suspicions about the family's cremation operation that he had been roughed up. (laughs) I wonder how how much the mother knew. Like uh, the, the going on. How much she knew. Well, she obviously knew. She was forging documents. She was forging the company. But I just wonder like, to what extent she knew. was she aware of it? Whilst they were investigating, the police found a pile of charred bones, teeth, and prosthetic devices in the crawl space of uh, David's farmer home. So they have kind of suspicion to believe that he was either bringing the work home or maybe he was burning bodies in his home. But it wasn't. Did he have a home, like a home, like a homemade uh, urn or kiln? He could just have been burying, burning them in a bonfire in his garden. Police spent two days filling boxes full of bones, dentures, bridges, bits of skull, pacemaker wires, and a, a soda can that was packed full with molars. What a ghoul. <laughs> what a ghoul. It's so ghastly. It's like the yeah, best no. museum I've never been to. But under the then current California regulations, their crimes were misdemeanors. That's a misdemeanor because it was All of uh, this was misdemeanors. David served just two and a half years of a five-year sentence for mutilating corpses, conducting mass cremations, and being involved in three of his boys beating up rival morticians. He had a damn good lawyer. He escaped murder charges for Tim Waters because the charges wouldn't stick because three toxicologists couldn't agree what was the cause of death at the time. When he was released in 1991, he was placed on a lifelong probation, which is actually very rare for California, and he broke this numerous times. <laughs> I'll get more into that. In April of 92, five years after their arrest, Lorianne and Jerry Sconce, who are now 55 and 58, they retired penniless and went and lived in Arizona. 
They were actually walked through the doors of the Pasadena Superior Court to stand trial for their part in the conspiracy, in particular the forging of the farms to remove organs from the dead. Yeah. And during the questioning, the couple threw their son under the bus, blaming him for everything. He was the mastermind of all this. I mean, there were willing players, but he was the mastermind. I know, but you wouldn't go along with it, would you, if your son was like... We can just take these tissues out and sell them. If and you're a God-fearing woman, I'd be like, no, we're not doing that. That is very wrong. We have clients. They want their ashes for their loved one intact. They don't want the ashes of fucking 20 grandmas. They if, want the ashes of their one grandma. If I was her, I'd say, like, I felt threatened. Probably did. Yeah. 36 charges had already been dismissed before the trial, and the couple were acquitted of three charges, and a mistrial was declared for the other six. Two years later, 34 of the original charges were reinstated by a state appeal court. And in 1995, the sconces were convicted with 10 counts between them of unlawfully authorizing the removal of eyes, hearts, lungs, and brains from bodies prior to cremation. They were each sentenced to three years and eight months in prison. Um, um, So wait, they got three years. David Sconce only got two. He got five, but he only served two in a bit. How, How much time did they serve? His uh, was it his mother? Three and years his... and eight months. That's so what they, they served. served a full three. They served more time <laughs> than their served. mobster funeral director son. So you know, I was telling you, David broke his lifelong parole a million fucking times. So he broke his parole by selling fake bus tickets. He hired a hitman to offer funeral homeowner that he hated. Moved to Montana without permission, and eventually, while he was in Montana, he stole his neighbor's rifle, which he then tried to sell at a gun show. Man, this guy just does not learn. He doesn't. Just he evil. He was extradited was back to California in 2012 when he was 56. He was charged with the four felonies and sentenced to 25 years to life. He's currently incarcerated at Mule Creek State Prison in Ione, California. But he actually might not be there for much longer. In January of this year, he has been granted a parole hearing. So he's very busy right now preparing for that. His hearing could be, I think it's, did they give you 18 months for your hearing when it's been granted? I think so. I'm not sure. So it'll either be maybe the end of this year, the start of this year that he'll have his hearing. Do you really think this guy's going to get paroled? No. I highly doubt it. Although eventually he might. How old is he now? Um, was he 56 in, I'm terrible with maths, 56 in 2012, so what is he now, 60, 66? So he's in his 60s. 66, and if he's a model prisoner, they tend to just let you the fuck out. But yeah, he's committed they, four felonies, which is what they'll see. I would be surprised, although I wonder how many people would testify get or, you know, t- or, um, you know, try to, like, testify against him being released well i'm gonna get into the families now because it is small justice what he's done the families of the deceased that had been cremated by sconce they brought a class action lawsuit against 100 funeral homes that had used his services for cremations because they would sell their bodies to him it's all like a kind of like intersex like they would all like work together they're all interconnected Yeah. yeah i mean it's just also corrupt and um, they would settle for approximately $16 million, which worked out to all the plaintiffs at about one and a half grand for a body <sighs> that you claimed. Wow, so everyone got about $1,500. It's fucking nothing, is it? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it, how much money did he have left after this? Well, not much after the yeah. lawyer's fees. So um, people out there are going, well, how did they get away with this for so long? How did David and his parents get away with it for so long? Even though it seems that everyone in the industry was well aware of what was going on. California at the time only had two 
California had two state inspectors that oversaw the whole funeral and cremation industry at the time. Two people. Wow, for the entire state. The most populous state in the country. Two people. And every time they went to try and inspect the facility, they were turned away, told to come back with a warrant, which was hard to acquire because of all the coastal cremations forged paperwork, which made everything appear really legit. And you probably had to go to a judge, and it was extended, yeah. Yeah. California passed new laws... And uh, it may have inspired other states to kind of follow suit that expanded the resources for state inspectors and authorized them to be able to inspect these facilities on demand. It was a great step towards preventing another disaster like this from ever happening again, or at least from ensuring that it would be detected long (laughs) before it could get as far as David (laughs) Scott's took it, where he was cramming 38 bodies into one oven. The Lamb Funeral uh, Family Funeral Home, it still stands on the corner of Orange Grove Boulevard in Pasadena, would pass on to his two grandsons who gamely kept it for afloat for about a year before wisely deciding that the funeral business was not for them. The license was sacrificed in the 90s, was purchased by another funeral home. It's abandoned for a few years, but today is a storage and showroom space for a light bulb distributor. <laughs> wow, that's so... I bet I'm sure Dave, to David's chagrin, he must have realized that in prison when his when his his ungrateful grandkids were like, oh yeah, we sold it to a lighting distributor. Sorry. Well, I think what he'll also he missed a trick of it as well because the new owners actually expanded. They added in a new floor and they turned it into a three bedroom apartment, which rents out for about four thousand seven hundred dollars a month, Oof. which is a little more than the cost of an average commission today. There are also many people claiming that the space is haunted by those who were denied a final rest. God, like the, these people missing eyeballs and body Just parts. Just eyeballs, <laughs> eyeballs, eyeballs everywhere. Just disembodied body parts flying eyeballs around. Eyeballs in my martini. Yeah, that'd be scary. Perhaps his, David Sconce's legacy is that he's become the kind of modern like boogeyman of the funeral industry. Two books have been written about what he did. We talked about Chop Shop by Kathy Braytill and A Family Business by Ken Englade for those who want to fully rabbit hole into this. So also lots of great articles online where I got a lot of this information from. There's topic.com, liarsandliquor.com and even even the Cracked article was really amazingly researched and I enjoyed it. Cracked is hit or miss. Yeah, cra- no, Cracked is great. And before anyone messages me or like tries to send me this, I know Ask a Mortician has done a video about this case. Please don't send me her. I don't like her. I like Scott Michaels. They have a beef. There's an internet beef there. Don't yeah, send no, me you, you her video. You do have uh, some uh, some bad blood with her. I don't know why. I because uh, I'm a She's Scott. Michael- hot. I'm a Scott Michaels fan, but that's oh. a total another story for another day, right? <laughs> yeah, this guy's kind of like the Hannibal Lecter of the funeral industry. He's the creepy cremationist. Yeah. <laughs> you could do that uh, costume for Halloween. Yeah, I don't think anyone would get it. But maybe just cover yourself in tons of flour and be like, I burn for you. <laughs> well, maybe he'll get paroled and uh, we'll we can have, we'll have him on the show on the show. I was just thinking that he would come on this show. We could I, talk about his cabot. I mean, honestly, I think this guy should do like business seminars, be a motivational speaker. How to get away with it. <sighs> I mean, he's quite the businessman. Uh, people, this is episode 844 here. Sick and wrong. Got some phone calls coming up next. Three, two, three, five, two, two, four, zero, three, two. Right after this. Hey kids, do you like sex toys? Yeah! Then go to adamandeve.com and make a purchase using coupon code DIDDLE. You'll get 50% off your first item, three free adult DVDs, 
free shipping, and a gift so sensual I can't even mention it on this podcast about murder and bukkake. Support Sick and Wrong by supporting our sponsor, adamandeve.com, and making a purchase with coupon code DIDDLE. That's DIDDLE, D-I-D-D-L-E, like your uncle used to do to you. So we got a few phone calls to get to, 323-522-4032. People, call the show. Seriously, um, we're kind of running out of phone calls. And when we run out of phone calls, we just won't play them. Yeah, well, we <laughs> just won't have any to play. Yeah. It'll be like the old school sick and wrong days. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Like, um, we used to get, I don't know, we, we usually get like a couple calls a week. Bonavillain, where are week. you? Yeah, I'm not sure what happened. But yeah, um, lately uh, we have a dearth of phone calls. So, a dearth. Uh, so give us, uh, give us a call, 323-522-4032. I did notice a couple of people sent some uh, messages on Facebook. Which works. Um, you can also email us at uh, sickroundpodcast at gmail.com. If you got something to say, we want to hear it. Um, I know we were asking for injury stories yeah. recently. We are also asking for drug stories. We always do enjoy that. Um, the first call we got is from the Swede. Nice. With a rather gruesome injury story. Kate's favorite song. This is a German love song. Hello, Dean and Kate. This is the Swede. I'm calling in about the gruesome injury request that you did. Uh, I really liked uh, CJ's brawl story, by the way. Yeah, I loved it. Uh, this is my take on it. I was competing in the world championship in karate in Tokyo in 2008. No in the semifinals, I was punched in the throat so hard that my Adam's apple was inverted. In- ah! Firstly, he's playing Led Zeppelin in the background. Is that Led Zeppelin? That's fucking Robert Plant's voice. He knows how I feel about Led Zeppelin. I can tell. It's if better that than was the Zeppelin fucking Dawes. It's better than the Dawes, though. So thank you, Sweet. I can tell that that was Zeppelin. It's not, it's not like, a, a, it's not like a similar band. Sweet is a karate guy. I didn't know he was. A, he's a good karate guy. Holy shit! Like Van Dam to get to go to the Olympics. Yeah, I, I Tokyo. Mean, yeah, I mean that, that that's definitely impressive. I also didn't know you could invert your Adam's apple. Well, is that not what they can, the lady boys kind of do? No, they get it shaved off. Yeah, but, but if this is, this is like punched so hard that it's going in the wrong direction into your throat. Did he become like a Victorian lady after? He was like, "Oh, hello, dearies." I want to know if he had a, a voice like this. I think he reverted to being a Victorian lady, nearly <laughs> Benny Hill esque. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Me to breathe. Uh, I was rushed to the hospital after having and after a, after having a camera forced on my nostril, uh, the doctor forced some sort of contraption down my throat to push it push it back to its original position, while me not trying to puke all over him. And that was the most disgusting thing. They had to like push it to its original. It's like it pops back out. I want to take it back. I don't think it's Robert Plant now either. No, you know it sounds like uh, the bank graveyard. Okay, could be that. Swedish band. Oh, they right, kind of sound cool. very Zeppelin. All right, kind let's of, go for I'm, that. I know. I'm like, I'm sort of trying to pay attention to that, but also pay attention to the story. Did he say that the doctor tries to pop it back in place? Yeah, while forcing something down his ugh, fucking head. Uh, it's awful being alive sometimes, isn't it? I, I just, this is the stuff that uh, that, that gives me nightmares. I, I'm not, I'm not into the medical thing. You know, you can kill someone by pushing Excuse them in the throat. Yeah, no, you really can, yeah. You know, that's why me and my brothers used to, when we used to like do Suffocate. wrestling, 
we used to always like do all the the throat moves like the chokeholds and all that shit <laughs> it's kind of brutal they tell you not right the the warning at the start of wrestling does not stop children it doesn't i used my move was the walls of jericho i don't even know what, what how does that work everyone well, you basically it's kind of like a crab hold but like a reverse crab hold but i was very good at a you, uh, we'll do it later i always like the face play. claw yeah, do like a face claw. Good face claw. Like a good kick Never to the nuts. Through during my martial arts career. Um, another injury I sustained is through my work. Uh, I was educating a new employee about uh, fans. And uh, I accidentally put my hand through one uh, central system fan and the fan blade actually cut my hand so badly that when I was driving in my car to the hospital I could see the tendons of my fingers work behind all of the blood in my flesh. Oh my god. <laughs> That's so gnarly. Dude, what, is he, what does he build industrial fans? Is that what he does? He installs like fans and satellites. He installs and he's them. Said, he's saying this is... He goes everywhere. This is like the zookeeper at uh, this, the SF Zoo that was like uh, sitting there talking to kids about lions and and tigers and like the big cats and she kind of like sticks her hand back and the lion the tiger just grabs it and just yeah, bites is, her hand this off. This is exactly like that. Yeah, so I'm saying he's like version. he's like training somebody. He's like, oh yeah, you never want to do this. And his <laughs> yeah, hand just gets cut off. It's like a classic comedy thing. Going, <laughs> you know, the fans will never hurt you. In ten years on this job, I've never once been hurt by a fan. God, that, that's the, the the new trainee is just like uh, looking around. Everyone's got like missing digits. Oh my! I wonder if Stumps. like seeing because I told the story about when my dad's tendon went in his hand Ugh, and he watched them yeah. operate and he could see all the tendons moving. Fucking gnarly. He was on painkillers though, so he wasn't like feeling sick or anything. He was very intrigued by it. But I think in that moment with your adrenaline, wouldn't you just be like, I don't know, kind of wanting to spit in it? spit in the tendons you know whenever i see surgical pictures or like watch surgery on the telly i always just think if i was that surgeon i just want to spit nick you should never go into uh, uh the well i'm not doctor. princess diana me i'm not gonna go in there with my eyeliner on and watch heart surgery and spit in the heart like, why would you spit in the person's I, no, open i'm just wound. saying i have the urge to like spit in, in the it. wound. Yeah. Like hock a loogie. Like hock a full on loogie and just Why? spit. I don't know. It's like when I hold a big knife, I have the urge to you plunge it into my stomach. never be allowed in a hospital uh, operating theater. It's just an urge I have. I'm pretty sure there's other people out there who have oh the same God. urge. You would just like want to spit inside an the open vile. body. That is vile. So I wonder if the Swede was looking at his hand being like... Am I going to vomit? I highly doubt he wanted to spit. I, I think he was probably it? freaking out about it. The thing I question is, why are you driving yourself to the <laughs> hospital? You think one of maybe the trainee or another one of your coworkers have been like, dude, wrap that shit in a towel and then drive you to the emergency room. Yeah, you think that would have happened, but maybe he was just like, you know when you get into that zone. Tough in Sweden. Well, yeah, and you also get into that zone, don't you, when you hurt yourself where you just like the adrenaline starts rolling. You're like, I'm going to be fine. I can cope, and you just get really steely and ice cold. Does that not happen to you? No, yeah, I mean it. It does, but I think if I was like, if I could see the tendons in my fingers, I don't think I'd be driving myself. He probably didn't see that to begin with. From halfway to the hospital, he probably like looked at his hand and was like, "Oh shit." He probably took a look. He's like, "You know what? I want to spit in that." I would have wanted to. <laughs> That's disgusting. Uh, major shout out to main man Gino. Yeah. Creeps out the Swede. This is, I think, I think this is 
graveyard. Or maybe, st- you maybe know, the Greta sweet, Van Fleet. The, the sweetest <laughs> stumped us with this one. Because we yeah, usually I'm not guess. Sure. I'm not I lo- sure. You know, I love all the bros on the Discord. They have like a little like bro family. Well, I love everyone on the Discord. But like the bros in particular, I love them all and have time and space for all of them. We're all cool guys. Swede, I want to know... Have you ever used your karate skills in a fight, yeah. like at a bar? Because he's like a dangerous weapon. And I'm not saying just like punches. I'm saying like a roundhouse kick or like a spin kick to the face. Roundhouse kick. Is Rota- Is he like the Swedish version of Roadhouse? Ripping out people's throats. I just want to know if like you've ever been like, listen, try to de-escalate it, but it got to the point where you had to fight and then you just whipped out like the Bruce Lee moves. That happened to me once. Obviously, like I'm not a karate you, champ. Wait, you, you like karate, spun, no. like kicked a spinning kick and like hit no, somebody in the face? No, but when I went to that Israeli restaurant, down below it was like a, a jiu-jitsu school. And there was somebody in the restaurant like causing havoc. And somebody from the school was like up there drinking a coffee. And he came up to the guy and was like... And jiu-jitsu them? He, well, he was like, we're really going to have to, like, can you calm the situation down? You're upsetting. Because like, I was the only person working in the restaurant at the time. It was a very, st- it was a small restaurant. And uh, this guy just wouldn't stop. He was totally drunk. And the police were called. He what was, was like, he doing? Was he uh, throwing he was, food, attacking people? He was, like, chucking stuff and, like, being really aggressive and shouting shit at me. And he was really drunk. And I was the only person working there. I'm, like, in my early 20s. And, like, this guy was came up. He was like... He, we're going to have to get you out of here, buddy. And the guy like knocked back at him. He was like, I'm not fucking going anywhere. Fuck you. And he just fucking took him down in front of me. I was Full like, on jiu-jitsu And like in a, like a chokehold. Yeah. Something. And he just kept it. And like the, the drunk guy could barely move. And the guy was like, you just need to chill out. Don't you just, he was like so cold when he was doing it. I was like, shit, I should learn like one of these. Well, they can like burn them out or something. And then they just pass out. Oh, you have ninja training though. So you'd be good. <laughs> yeah. I watched a couple of ninja movies in the eighties. Um, yeah, I you know, I never I remember one time I wanted to get into jujitsu because it was like God, it was when I lived in San Francisco, some in the early two thousands. Hey, UFC wasn't super huge, it was getting huge. Yeah. And uh I was like I used to do Taekwondo, I mean when I was like in eighth grade. But I was like, you know, I want to do a, a new martial art, jujitsu, and then we live right down the street from like a Gracie jujitsu, which are like the you know the the, the reputable jujitsu uh, uh, schools. Uh-huh. And so anyway, I was like, I'm gonna go check it out, and I went walked over there, and the guy was like, Yeah, you can, uh, you know what? Just observe, hang out, watch a class. If you're into it afterwards, let's talk to me, and you can uh, talk about signing up, getting a membership. So I watched for about like 20 minutes, and literally. These dudes are in like 69 position, wearing like biker shorts, balls just like right in each other's, like Arabian goggles, like right in each other's face. <laughs> Arabian goggles. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I was like, and they're in like this lock 69 position. And I'm looking at this like, fuck that. <laughs> like, like, I don't even care. You might be a badass. I don't want balls in my face. You went home to your nunchucks that day and you're just like, you're the only ones for me. Yeah, I was like, well, that's fine. Then to keep you away from like, you know, when someone's from, asshole in your face. Balls in your face. Yeah, I was like, I'm, I'm not down, <laughs> not down with this. But anyway, sweet, I want to know, like, uh, when, when have you used your karate skills? I want karate stories. Tell us more about your time in uh, the Olympics. Like, did you ball any of the other Olympians? Yeah, yeah, before I've... you get your uh, horrific Adam's apple injury. Yeah, and that would have been a nice Japanese little, like, sweet doctor trying to, like, basically put your throat back to normal. 
As yeah, well. I want to. I want to know what inspired you to. What was it? Uh, was it Chuck Norris? Was it Bruce Lee? Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah, let us know, Swede. Um, next call we have here is a drug story. So we're asking for uh, for drug stories, you know, involving hallucinogenics, stimulants, whatever. Um, so the Welsh guy. We still haven't in. named him my Welsh. My favorite. Yeah, for for, for, for I anyone we had a name for the guy. Maybe we do, but for anyone who doesn't know, Welsh is my favorite out of all the British. Like, you can keep your fucking Irish. The Welsh are lyrical. I love the Welsh. I do like the lilt of his voice. Oh, it's just very it's, cool. a, it's a cool accent. Mm, I love it. Um, I thought his name was like Crash or something. No, no, that's you're thinking of Mash. Our Mash. Ma- our Macam mate. That's a different guy. Yeah, we. I've, we're right, not. Right. We're not named the Welsh guy yet. We need to come up. People suggest a cool name for. Welsh. We gotta name this guy. Anyway, here's a story about MDA. And here's a story about MDMA. Yeah, you're right, D. All right, Kate. I called in a couple of weeks ago about my uh, acid story. Um, and you asked for more stories then about drugs or sex. And I think I have a good one for you. Um, yeah, so back when I was playing in a band, uh, and again, it's around the same time area, probably about 10, 11, 12 years ago. We played um, this pub in the middle of nowhere, really. Uh, it, it was in Wales. And um, because we in the middle of nowhere, and there was a lot of land behind there, <laughs> yeah. the um, pub. We all camped there, so did many other people. Like, So we played a gig, good gig. Um, and then, as we do when, we lit a massive fire. I had a drink, and, you know, I, I took a shitload of MDMA. Wait a second. They play a gig and then they light a massive fire. Well, they're all camping in the field outside the pub that's in the middle of nowhere. Th- this oh, happens in Cumbria okay. too, mate. Like, so well, you you go play. You d- you don't get a, a you don't have a van that you sleep in. Or? Well, I mean, you could do that, but you could also all go to this pub in the middle of nowhere, get really drunk there, all camp out, and then just go home the next day. You just sleep. You like get a tent, or you just yeah. sleep on the ground. Get a tent. You know what camping is, right? Jews don't camp. <sighs> Of course we, we don't fare well at camp, okay? <laughs> Put it that way. Um, yeah, really, really good night. Really fucking awesome. Anyway, fucking as the night's drawing to an end, early hours of the morning, you know, the wee hours, 2 a.m. plus, like, uh, it's just me and a few of the boys left. And then is this woman comes over. Uh, she must have been, I don't know, 55, 60, about as tall as the order and looked like Hagrid of Harry Potter. <laughs> Uh, Looked like Hagrid from Harry Potter. Oh, so she looks like a normal Welsh woman then. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? As tall as what? An ogre. As tall oh, as Oh, I went to Irish and I do apologize. An ogre. Tall as an ogre and looks like Hagrid from Harry Potter. Okay. Yeah. You know, she, she, she was pretty cool, but um, it wasn't someone who you'd really want to fuck. But anyway, so um, I saw the neck, you know? The boy was like, oh, fucking hell. The, 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 all right, all right. He started necking her? Necking. Okay, all right. I, I couldn't understand it, but the necking's making out. Yeah, yeah. He started snogging. They were snogging. Snogging. What are you doing, man? What, what, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, oh, no, no, it's cool, man. She's cool. She's cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And anyway. Real cool. We've all been there where you tried to pull your mouth. As time went on, everyone it off. We went back to my tent, and I was like, I'm oh, sorry, love, but you're cool or whatever, but, but, but I ain't fucking ill, like. She goes, all right, yeah, I'll just suck you off. So, yeah, cool, man, cool. 
I kind of like how he just like laid the ground rules. Like he's like, you can come back here, but I'm not fucking you, Hagrid. Good for him. Do you know what? There's a lot of these stories where men are like, they're hooking up with these chicks and they start snogging them and they're like, but I'm not going to fuck you. And the chick's like, well, I'll blow you then. Never once have I ever offered to do that for a man who wouldn't fuck me. Who are these women? <laughs> but have you ever blown a guy but not had sex with him? No. Because some girls do that. Some girls are like, um, some girls will just do that. Or there's some that won't do that because they they feel it's more intimate than actually having sex. The only times I've ever done that is back like in the early days of like when I was like a virgin. When you were like 11. And when I was 11 with my uncle, <laughs> when I would just be like blowing him a bit. I knew eventually it was going to go to sex, but I was still too scared to lose my virginity. But ever since then, like, yeah, you blow the dude. But you I- also give head to get head. And if but I think it's different when you look like Hagrid and you're a female. <laughs> you just want cock, don't you? You just want cock at that point. You just want point. a cocky mouth. Yeah. And um, started sucking me off. I was off my fucking tits and MDMA. It, it fucking wasn't working, you know. The, 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 my... I would, the beard would freak me out. The Hagrid beard. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, I don't, I'm not into this. Yeah, it's it's hard having sex on MDMA and like ecstasy. It, I mean, I was about as rigid as a fucking fag paper, like. But uh, yeah, it just sucked my balls and shit. And <laughs> she was getting bored. I was He's getting bored. Oh my god! Fucking bored as well. Of course, oh, this isn't working. I mean, yeah, I totally agree with you, Agrid. Uh, you can stop before. Because yeah, I'm just gonna go to sleep. So I, I don't I don't really know what happened. The fucking. Yeah. I kind of like how he just like he's like, nah, I'm just bored. I'm bored. Get my balls out of your mouth. Let's just go to sleep. Yeah, I'm bored of my balls in your mouth, Hagrid. The <laughs> sea must have started wearing off. And I just fell asleep in the tent. And then I, 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 I got woken up in around 7.30, 8 o'clock. Awful. To just an old cackle of laughter. <laughs> I opened my eyes. Uh... And this, you know, you're the Hagrid-looking woman. Her feet could just hang out of my tent. So she... <laughs> She's too big to even fit in the tent. <laughs> what a beautiful See, Welsh woman. I'm hoping this is the time when, when, you know, the era of the iPhone, so people can take pictures and record this for posterity. What is this, 10, 12 years ago? So, so there yeah, were iPhones. I mean, they would, it would have been very pixelated. Doesn't matter. But yeah, I bet there was somebody there with a digital camera who's then going to upload the pictures and put them on Facebook. So there's a digital camera album. You know you know what I'm talking about. They wake her up, and there's like a Sasquatch photo of her running into the forest. <laughs> Boys, come on! What, 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 what the fuck is this? What, what's these small feet hanging up to the tent? Open them up, um, and I'm not sure if she fell asleep sucking my balls, or if she woke up and decided to suck my balls again. But uh, yeah, I fucking woke up with fucking Hagrid on my cock. So yeah, yeah, and, and that's that one really. Um, yeah, and you said at the end of the last call, you didn't have a name for me. I'll, I'll leave it to the sick and wrong audience or you guys. Uh, no, you're going to point me something good. I have phoned up in the past with a moniker of Tom Jones. And if that's not fitting, that's not fitting. Call me whatever you want. Have a good one, guys. Ta da. I do oh, I must Jones. have. I think I must have called him Tom Jones. Maybe Harrison. No, did. he called in pretending to be Tom Jones. Oh, he called in pretending to be Tom Jones. Yeah. I forgot. Tom Jones is good. This guy's sexier than Tom Jones in my eyes. Well, he's. Tom Jones couldn't pull Hagrid. He's fucking sexier women. 
<laughs> Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we, maybe we have to come up with a name with him. If Tom Jones, I do like the name Tom Jones. Everyone on the Discord is very creative. Maybe somebody over there will like pop up with something. But I, I do like Tom Jones. Discord or the Discord crew. I'm handing this off to you. Yeah. Yeah, come up with a good name for the Welsh guy. Welsh guy, thank you for... I am thoroughly entertained with his stories. I love his stories. I love the acid story, and I, this MDMA story was top-notch. For me, it's just a pleasure to hear the Welsh accent. It's, it's everything I was... Yeah, the execution, the narrative, it was, it was great. Yeah. Um, I give it uh, five brown stars. <laughs> Nice. Thank you there, Welsh guy. <laughs> Soon to have a good nickname. Uh, people call the Sick Around Hotline, 323-522-4032. Um, if you haven't already signed up for the Patreon, you're missing out on an entire second show of Sick and Wrong. If one show isn't enough for you, if one show um, it just doesn't do it, then you should get a second show. And, we, and the second show actually is, is, is a lot of fun. Yeah, I really like doing the second show. I usually get kind of drunk on the second show. I get drunk on the second show. Although I think I was drunk on the main show last week. Yeah, for, we ha- I had a few people message me and say, D is usually so so on it and like he's so slick and fantastic. Was it, was he tired? I was like, no, we, we recorded that in three parts and we were wasted. Yeah, we were <laughs> wasted. Parts. And sometimes like we do it late at night and I got to like get up for work the next day. Yeah, and we ha- I think that Get was one of those drunk. times. I mean, every so but often. But second show's a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more fun, a little loose format. Yeah, we don't have like an intro topic or anything. No, any we just like shoot to it. the shit. So this week uh, we discussed uh, Kate's traumatic experience with Ethiopian food. Oh, my God. First time she ever had Ethiopian food. It did not go well. I, w- I need to have words with Jojo. Who Jojo thinks that Ethiopian food is better than curry. Yeah, better than Indian food. Jojo, fuck off. What the fuck, man? <laughs> you did not enjoy the the uh, Ethiopian food. Uh, we also talk about the Cruel World Festival that we checked out in uh, Pasadena, headlined by Morrissey and Blondie. Uh, we also Devo, Bauhaus, and The Damned. Yeah, 17th uh, time seeing The Damned. I'll never stop show. saying that. <laughs> the next night, we uh, saw Todd Rundgren and Daryl Hall for <laughs> only $17. You're very proud that I you got those I was very proud about that. Good tickets. Great tickets. Yeah. Best seats in the house. Yeah. But, well, best seats for the mezzanine. I, I think sitting there is always better than being on the floor. Sounds yeah, I mean, better. it looked great and it sounded, it sounded amazing. Um, but anyway, we, we talk about that. And we did a news story about a couple who killed a 12-month-old baby that they were trying to adopt that looked a lot like a pub landlord. <laughs> in Cumbria. According to Kate. It yeah, in Cumbria. <laughs> He does look like a pub landlord. I'm not saying he deserved to die. Well, in their defense, he was ginger. He was ginger, yeah. and he was probably overcharging for a pint of bodies. <laughs> anyway, just good. Just check it out. Sign up. It's five dollars a month. Literally, that's that's nothing. Um, that's less than a pint of bodies. Yeah, nowadays it is, mate. Yeah. Um. So just uh, you, for five bucks a month, you get the second show for a few dollars more. You get sick on overkill. Uh, this week we we're uh, comparing divorce stories. Uh, which divorce was worse, Denise Richards, Charlie Sheen, or Amber Heard, Johnny Depp? Ooh. I don't know. You decide. Um, and also, uh, at the $10 level, you get the uh, Sick and Wrong archives. The first 10 years, the first decade of Sick and Wrong. I actually went through and I converted it all to SoundCloud playlists. It's now available on the Patreon also available on our website where you can purchase each year separately. We do appreciate you supporting the show. Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. 
Um, sign up today. It's a gift that keeps on giving. It really <laughs> is. Uh, also, if you uh, want to get a new Sick and Wrong t-shirt, I actually just made a new uh, new tee at the Sick and Wrong Tee Public Store. Actually, I've, I've had this like burst of creativity in uh, designing new t-shirts. Tee-ativity. Yeah. tee I uh, designed the new Bish shirt Bish. upon request. Uh, made the Stinkor shirt in honor of JoJo Kelly. Um, the Satan is Waiting shirt that no one's bought yet, but I do like that one. Yeah, that's a classic design. I'll buy that one. Yeah, and my recent masterpiece, Make Abortion Great Again. My MAGA tee I just made. It's a good t-shirt. I it's want a- someone to put their child in it. Please. Yeah, I posted a link to it in the, uh, I think it was like the pro-life ch- uh, Reddit, subreddit. And all these people were just disgusting. I got banned for life. And and Catholic dating. Oh, yeah. The you Catholic got- dating subreddit. I got banned for life from that one, too. <laughs> you can never date a Catholic now. And our conservatives. Actually, I got banned from like four subreddits for posting a link to my MAGA shirt. God damn it. That's, That's a, good a good day shirt. for Reddit. Make abortion great again, people. Go to sickandwrongpodcast.com slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope. Finally, here's Sick and Wrong Song of the Week. Great band. Recommended by uh, by uh, Kate Rambo here. Uh, Corpse Grinders. Very short-lived band. Yeah, I love this band. We used to cover this exact song in Goldie Dawn. And it's a perfect song for the show. Uh, but yeah, the band was only around from like, in New York City, the New York City band, only around from like May 1977 to November 1978. Yeah, I love that though. That's that usually it. the best bands. It featured Rick Rivets and Arthur Killer Kane from the New York Dolls. There he is. Rick Rivets actually also was in the Dolls, but he was replaced by Sylvain Sylvain. Thankfully. <laughs> well, I mean, Rick is great, but like Arthur Kane, oh my God, what a creature. Oh yeah. Arthur, but Arthur <laughs> Kane was on both the uh, Corpse Grinders albums. Um, this uh, this next song here, uh, Price of Meat, uh, we're going to dedicate this one to uh, David Wainscons. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good song. Uh, we'll be back next week with episode 845. Till then, take a sleazy.
I guess I did write something to Neil Diamond one time. Yeah, see? Be like, I really want your hair, Neil. <laughs> I want to run my I, fingers through it, Neil. I wanted not his hair, his chest hair. He's a great chest hair. Oi, vey, Neil Diamond, I love you. I love you. Oy. Neil, I am the son I, of a rabbi. No, oh. I think I was trying to get him to send a signed picture to my mom for oh. Mother's Day or something. So I wrote a yeah, I wrote a letter to him. Never got a response. Yeah, that's yeah. weird.